Okay, it is 12.31, so we're going to get started. We have, I know, have people kind of hopping on in, in and out throughout the, throughout the um, time. So if you need to hop off, that's fine. If uh, anyone has any questions, please put them in the, in the chat function. We've got everyone muted right now, and uh, we'll just take turns talking. And as you hear, hear things that you raise questions, feel free to put them in the chat. We'll get to them, as many of them as we can. Thank you all for joining us. It's great to see so many familiar faces, faces of runners that uh, we've worked with or coached that are not in the area. So it's great to see uh, people from all over the country, actually all over the world. We have people from all over the world on the call. So uh, we appreciate you joining us. The call is being recorded. So if you have to hop off and want to catch what you missed later, we will circulate that along with other information uh, after the call. And uh, if you have any friends who missed the call, you're welcome to, to forward that to them. So uh, I'll start with an introduction of myself and then I'm gonna turn it over to um, Julie, who will then turn it over to Rachel to start, uh, start our discussion today. But I'm Lisa Levin and I am one of the two co-founders of Run Farther and Faster. Julie and I founded Run Farther and Faster over 10 years ago now and we've had the pleasure of coaching probably close to a thousand, I would say, runners over the course of 10 years through our individual private coaching, which we do virtually. We, we were virtual before virtual was cool. So our online virtual coaching, individual coaching, as well as our group, our group programs and virtual group programs, uh, which include our uh, workplace and employee programs as well. So we have been honored to coach many of you and have been doing this for many years and have never had to, um, as all of us are in the same situation, never had to had to figure out this type of situation. So we've really been having um, a good time figuring out how to how to train through this challenging uh, situation with everybody. And we, we find a lot of uh, satisfaction and happiness out of helping you stay on track during this time. So we think all of our runners and those of you who have joined us uh, for the first time today. So I'm gonna turn it over to Julie to uh, introduce herself and then uh, we'll hand it over to Rachel. Hi, I'm Julie Sapper and I am Lisa's partner in crime with Run Farther and Faster. And um, we're really glad you're here. I am a seasoned runner, just like Lisa, have been um, running competitively for many years and like Lisa have been coaching for 10 years. I just wanted to echo her sentiments and add that in addition to coaching, we also um, have a podcast the Run Farther and Faster podcast, um, which can be found on any platform and provides a lot of advice, um, not as condensed as this webinar, but you can go back to episodes and look for specific advice um, regarding any of your questions as well through that. Thanks for joining us. Okay. Um, so my name is Rachel Miller. I'm the owner of ProAction Physical Therapy since 2001, and I've been working with Lisa and Julie since they formed Run Farther and Faster. I'm also a certified running coach through RRCA, and um, Lisa, Julie, and I work together to keep, to keep runners running, to keep them healthy, to help avoid injury. Um, and my practice in Rockville, I have two locations, and our focus is on treating um, and evaluating runners and giving them ideas of how they can help themselves because most issues honestly are more training errors or not listening to your body. So we try to help you with in those areas too. Besides our traditional physical therapy, we also offer aquatic therapy, which obviously right now that's not going on because the pools are closed, but those um, aquatic therapy is really good for those who are say recovering from an injury and can't run. So we get them in the pool or just for people who even aren't runners who have chronic pain, back, neck pain, fibromyalgia, we get them in the pool and they're, they just exercise and stretch much more comfortably in the pool. So I'm gonna start this off again, please send um, your questions in the chats. We're gonna try to get to them. And Julie, Lisa and I are gonna collaborate together on all these topics. Um, how this all came about is because I started receiving phone calls from people saying to me that they, they're starting to have to run more because they have more time, because there's more stress in their lives. And they're starting to have new pains, especially I've seen a lot of calf and shin and ankle, but, but all over. But what the main thing is, is people are telling me they, they have to run and we get it. Um, we get it. It's good for you mentally, physically, emotionally, 
but how do you navigate through this pandemic with all these other stressors and changes in your job and your life, but still be able to, to run healthy? So that's what made us decide, you know what, let's come together and, and form a discussion about this and we'll learn from each other. Um, and also learn how, with more time in your hands, how to plan your plans. Because all your training kind of, I know Lisa and Julie have gotten this, where they've had to change so many running programs because races have been canceled. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't have a plan. So we're gonna talk about that. I believe runners are at higher risk right now for injury because of a number of factors. One is stress. So when you're stressed, it affects the body phys physiologically. Just one example. When you are, have a lot more stress in your life, you have an increase in cortisol, which then decreases your bone density. So that alone, that's how physiologically it affects your body. Um, who hasn't been affected um, in terms of their sleep? I know I have. I have not been sleeping well, probably for at least seven weeks, I'm going to say. And sleep, besides it physically exhausts you, right? For the next day and it adds up, but mentally exhausts you. So Sleep is also so important for the runner or the athlete because that is when your body heals. So if you are nursing an injury and you're not getting that sleep, then you're not going to be able to heal as well and as quickly as maybe you normally would. But also lack of sleep can also make you more tense and stress can make you more tense. And when you're more tense, you don't run the same. Your running form changes and your ability to absorb shock changes. So um, you can be more at risk for injury because of that um, as well. So um, I don't want to just say these are the stressors. I, we also want to give ideas of what you can do about them. And what I've been doing in terms of, you can't control everything, right? But I focus on what can we control. So what I've been doing, I suggest doing maybe try some meditation. There are apps out there, and I am the least patient person out there, <laughs> but there are apps out there like Calm, Simply Habit. Some are free, some are not. But what it helps me do is actually fall asleep. So you may want to settle into a different bedtime routine if you're having difficulty sleeping and at least try to adapt to that. Um, I'm a big fan of therapy too, honestly. If a social worker, a psychologist, someone to help you through, work through some of the stress that's going on now, I think can help your overall mental and physical being. Um, I know people um, are also turning to some, you know, drinks and such like that to calm you down. And we'll talk about that later, how can that can be okay, but how can that can dehydrate you as well. So um, Lisa and Julie, do you have anything else to add to that, those specific how stress affects you? Just unmuting Julie here, there we go. Um, no, I think that uh, one thing that I would also point out is that a lot of us may think that we're not stressed and maybe you feel like, oh no, I'm okay, I I'm enjoying this. But at, at, at some subconscious level, a lot of us are still experiencing stress um, and anxiety. And we see it a lot with our runners who, uh, you know, will go out for a run and say, I just, I, I don't know why that felt hard. Or my, we're, we're seeing a lot of higher heart rates. Um, so that's something, um, if you uh, notice that your heart rate is higher than normal, uh, you should be also watching your resting heart rate. And if your resting heart rate has gone up, that anxiety may be affecting you even if you don't think it is. So, um, so be kind to yourself and, give yourself some grace in, in your running, um, in your performance, not only like Rachel mentioned, the recovery and making you more injury prone, but also just in, in your performance. Um, and also speaking of heart rate, if your resting heart rate is, like you take it in the morning when you wake up, if it's 10 beats higher than what it normally is, your body's fighting something, whether it's stress, whether it's a cold, whether we're so sensitive now, like if you have a headache, what, what could it be, right? that alone is very stressful. So check your heart rate. If it's 10 beats higher than normal, then you may want to just modify. And we're going to talk a lot about how you modify your training, but maybe make it an easy day. Maybe make it a, a day of rest. So definitely modify, but you can use that as well. I think stress also affects us um, mentally in terms of memory. I know it does for me. Um, and when, when I give talks to a lot of to running groups, when people have aches and pains, the first thing I always ask them is, how old are their shoes? And where do you get them from? And I think with all this going on around us, we may lose sight of how old are our shoes? How worn down are they? And that can lead to injury too. So I know we don't have stores to go to, but I did speak to Kelly Scher from RNJ, 
and they are happy to take phone calls and try to troubleshoot over the phone. They actually hand deliver. Um, R&J is actually just a block away from me in Rockville. They, within a 10 mile radius, they hand deliver boxes of shoes and leave them on your porch. So talk about customer service, right? And to support the small business. So feel free, we'll, we'll give you information after we're done about R&J, some other local um, stores, but reach out to them. One thing Kelly did warn me and say is she doesn't wanna just have people buy shoes. She wants to give them the right shoes. So if you are nursing an injury, she may say to you, let's just wait till you can come into the store so I can see how you walk and run. Um, she wants to do the right thing for you. I know Fleet Feet also is accepting phone calls too and there's Pacers as well in Northern Virginia. So don't lose sight of um, wearing appropriate shoes, not, not shoes that are um, five years old and not shoes that are really worn down. Um, Lisa, Julie, anything on that? Yes, um, R&J also ships for free um, over anywhere. So it's not just hand delivery, but I just wanted to touch on one more point regarding running. Um, I've been saying this to myself and I'll share this with you. There's pandemic running and there's regular running. We are in pandemic running. None of us have done pandemic running. So all of the rules and the way that you've sort of in the past structured your um, running when you're not specifically training for a race, those rules may not work for you during pandemic running and that's okay. So echoing Lisa and Rachel sentiments to give yourself um, permission to change things up, that's great. And to that end, um, if you're someone that's a creature of habit and you are always an early morning runner, but during pandemic running, early morning running feels really awful, you have the luxury right now, most of us, to perhaps change it to run later in the day. Give it a try. That may be the new rule for you for pandemic running. So that's just one of the many examples. Well, excellent point, which brings me to my next um, stressor, which is people having more time on their hands. That's not necessarily a great thing because people have more time on their hands because people unfortunately are furloughed. I think all of us either know someone in our family, ourselves, friends who are furloughed and have more time. So someone like me is working, I'm still working a lot. I'm working in the clinic and I'm doing telehealth. I'll talk about that later, but um, I'm more limited on that. But when you have time in your hands, more running, more time does, should not equate more running necessarily, especially if you haven't run in a long time. So Lisa and Julie are gonna talk more about training and how to plan that out, but that's really important to, to make it your own and maybe taking this time instead of more time equals more running, maybe more time equals more strengthening. You know, you can equate it to different things and, and have kind of a subsets of those two. So having more time is also, um, sometimes I'm, I'm seeing leading to problems because people are running more. And one other thing I want to talk about is in terms of, we, we spoke about change of, of job, um, of job positions is teleworking. Um, I know how many people are teleworking? You can raise your hand. I know tons of people who are teleworking, right? <laughs> so two things happen with teleworking. One, you're now working from home on a workstation that you probably aren't used to working eight hours a day on. Or I have a lot of people tell me, I say, what's your workstation like? And they say, well, I'm sitting back on my couch with my laptop on my lap. <laughs> well, that's not necessarily conducive to good posture. So um, also teleworking really doesn't allow you to um, involuntarily get up. If you're at work and you're on the computer all day, you usually have to get up, right? For meetings, to talk to people. You don't really have that. We do Zoom meetings now. So there's the ideal and there's the realistic. I always go over that with my runners because I know what ideal is, but I know what people probably will do. And ideal is every 20 to 30 minutes to keep your body loose because if your posture starts to suffer and you start to get tight here, you start to get neck pain and shoulder pain, it's going to hurt everyday life but also affect your running posture too which will certainly affect how much you can run so every 20 to 30 minutes maybe you could try it now what I want you to do is just squeeze your shoulder blades back just get out of this forward position squeeze back and hold for five seconds it should feel pretty good actually and then relax it and you can do that five to ten times I say every half hour realistically every hour to hour and a half to two hours Another thing you can do, I'm gonna show you from the side, is a lot of people sit like this. Well, running like this is gonna cause a lot of neck pain. Tuck your chin, almost form like a double, double chin. Try it now. And then relax it. And then tuck again. So what you're trying to do is get your spine back in a normal alignment, because if you're all like this, eight hours a day, it's gonna cause a lot of upper body problems, and it will lead to back problems too. 
Um, so the key with the teleworking first is movement. So make sure every 30 to minutes to a 60 minutes, you even walk, get up and move, maybe do some stretches for your neck. Actually, here at ProAction, what we're offering is um, free um, assessments, basically, where we do a Zoom meeting for 10 to 15 minutes. We can give you the information afterwards. You just call our office, and you'll show us what your workstation is like, and we can give you ideas of how to set it up better for you. Um, because this is going to be your life, uh, Julie, Lisa, and I think for a while now. I, I, even with restrictions lifting eventually, I think this is going to become a, a new way of life for a lot of us. Um, and then... Uh, so the workstation setup and also, as I said, taking time um, to, to move around the keys. So those things will affect your running as well. And at this point, is there anything, for, I, I wanted to give it over to Lisa and Julie because they're going to talk about some other things that, that um, are affecting your running during this pandemic time. Yeah, we're gonna. Um, I'm gonna start by touching on training, which Rachel started talking about just a little bit ago, and and the um the the problem, I guess, that we have of more time on our hands. And I we've seen runners kind of fall into two categories. One is the new runner or maybe returning runner. And I know a few of you have put in questions that you're returning to running either from pregnancy or injury, or just now that you have more time. So there's the returning runner or the new runner who says, "Wow, I have." I can't go to the gym now. I can't do anything else. So I'm going to try running. And then we have the second group of, um, of runners who were training for a specific race, a marathon, a half marathon. And now they have to look at their schedules and say, well, now, now what do I do? How do I scale back? And how do I revise my training? Um, now that I don't have my goal race, I don't need to be training at the marathon distance. And I know somebody put, put in the question of, you know, what's a proper distance now kind of base mileage for somebody who was training for a marathon. So it's kind of two groups and the same question of how do I either ramp up or how do I ramp down and having all of this time to run can lead us to um, running too much unintentionally just, you know, that's what we have time to do every day. And that's what our resources are is how do we then balance that and not run too much ramp up safely or ramp back down in a in a well thought out way so i'm going to talk about a few different aspects of that first of all um how many days a week of running and, and mileage so for somebody for, for anybody um you know, we recommend as coaches having sort of a a, a cyclical um, pattern to your week. So uh, a hard run may be followed by a recovery day or an easy run or some a cross training day. Um, and that goes for anybody who is, you know, just starting or ramping back down their, their mileage. You don't want to put too many hard days together. So, so that's, yep. Lisa, can we talk a little bit about the cross training because yep. gyms yep. closed? Yep, we're going to um, get to that. Okay, great. Yep. Yep. So just, just in terms of days a week and um, and, and how you space out your days. So somebody who's just starting to run, um, you know, may want to do it every other day. Somebody who's ramping down their, their training from, from marathon distance or, or a longer distance can cut back their mileage and maybe focus on, on some speed. And we're going to talk a little bit about that too. And then um, how do you not run every day? What do you do in between, especially when we're limited on cross training? And we get that question a lot. I, I can't go to the gym anymore. I can't go to my cycle studio. I, I don't have access to a pool. Uh, how do I cross train? So we have a couple recommendations. Um, if you have a bike or you have access to a bike, a bike is a great way to get out, um, you know, with your kids, just out. The, the roads are a little bit less crowded now, so you can go out, ride your bike. Um, if you have a bike, you can get a bike trainer and put it on your trainer in your house and have a stationary bike in your house. Um, you can certainly try to order a, a stationary bike for the house, and we have some recommendations for some brands that people have, you know, had our runners have had good success with. There's a waiting period now for, for that equipment. Um, but so if, if you don't have a bike or you don't have access to a bike, walking is okay. Walking, hiking, um, you know, working in the yard is, is a good option. Uh, you may want to try some online classes. And that brings me uh, to strength training, which we differentiate between cross training and strength training. Cross training to us is developing your aerobic base without the pounding of running. And I know, I think um, Jeff had the question about um, how to, how to uh, get more miles in without more pounding that running puts on your body. So walking and hiking are certainly good options. Um, you, on, along those lines, you do have to be very careful of how much you're doing though. We, we see people say, oh, I went out and I walked for two hours today, walked 
10 miles and then they're also doing their run. So again, you wanna look kind of at the big picture of what you're doing and try to have that cycle of if you have a hard day where you walked five miles and you, you know, did a, and you did a run, the next day maybe is recovery day. And, and Julie's gonna touch on this more, the, the mental aspects of training. It's hard for a lot of us to take that rest day or that recovery day, or we have all this time and nobody wants to sit around not moving all day. Um, so that, that can be hard. I would encourage, and Julie and I do this with our runners, yes. um, encourage our runners to, um, to look at the, uh, Julie, did you have something? What are you saying? Sorry, I, I, I missed Julie. My internet connection is getting slow, okay. Um, anyway, we encourage our runners to look at those recovery days as a training day. So crush your recovery, crush your, maybe you do a stretching class online. Maybe you do some yoga, maybe you do some active, you know, some type of active recovery. So, um, so that's, it's really important to kind of take, again, take a step back and look at the bigger picture. A lot of us are trying new things now that we have some time. So you may be trying some online classes, you may be trying some, you know, a lot of walking or hiking, and just also taking that step back and making sure that in the bigger picture, you've got, you still have, you still have that um, cycle. We also had a question uh, about speed work. How did, how did you speed work when we don't have access to a track? And um, first, I would want to say that we don't usually incorporate speed work with our, our runners until they have a good base of about six to eight weeks, at least of running. So if you're just starting and you're just ramping up, focus on that conversational pace. Um, that's really where the base of your, your, your fitness is coming from, that aerobic conversational pace. So focus on that. Once you've built a base or if you've been training for a long time and you want to incorporate speed work, we recommend it one day a week, maybe two days a week if it's a different type of, of speed work. Um, and you don't need a track. You can use the roads in front of your house. You can use um, trails that are relatively, if you're doing, uh, you know, kind of a, traditional speed work or track workout, you can look for something that's relatively flat. We've had runners find parking lots that are about a quarter mile around and they run the perimeter of a parking lot. Um, so uh, I'm looking at Terry, who's <laughs> see Terry smiling. So, um, so you can really get creative. You don't need a track for your speed work. And not only do you um, not need a track, you can use hills for speed work. So if you have some hills, hills are great for speed work because hills will increase your effort and your intensity without increasing the impact on your body. So running up a hill is less impact into your body than running on a flat surface. So use those hills as your speed work. You can go out and do some hill sprints. You can do hill sprints of varying distances or varying durations. You could do a 10 second hill sprint that really works on your neuromuscular development and your power. Um, you could do a one minute hill repeat at a, at a little bit easier effort, but it's still working hard. It's more of a tempo. A tempo effort so it's kind of comfortably hard so you can really mix up your your speed work by incorporating hills hills as well lisa can i just touch base with what you're saying everything is great what you're saying i agree with everything just in terms of injuries and what i've been seeing is um people are working walking a lot more they're walking their dogs the dogs are scared of them because they don't want to walk so much every day um if you feel like you have to walk a lot, just mentally, you're walking your dog more now and you're running, if you can walk on a softer surface in good shoes, not necessarily your running shoes, but not a floppy shoe that you can fold in half, you want a good supportive shoe, especially if you start to have shin issues, calf issues, ankle and foot issues. I'm seeing a lot of that now. Um, I'd wear a, a cushioned uh, and supportive shoe and try to walk maybe on the grass versus cement. Cement is the hardest on your body. So again, control the controllables. What can you do? You can alter how you're, what you're walking on. And hills are a great workout. I don't know too many people who like love to do hills, but it is a great workout. But if you have a history of knee issues, I'm gonna say start with a couple of short hills that aren't too steep and see how your knees are. When you're running up the hill, make sure you take short steps. Um, don't stride out. It's gonna put a lot of pressure on your knees. So, you know, I'm just going to pepper in some little tips of if you're having issues or have been issues um, because we, we don't we don't want you getting hurt we want you to be able to maximize what you can do that's a good point rachel rachel also brings up the good point of anyone who's doing speed work or introducing speed work it should be uh just like you build up your running mileage you build up your the the, the volume of your speed work so if you're starting with you know some want to try some hill sprints don't go try two minute hill repeats or you know eight of them we want to try some maybe 30 seconds some 20 seconds 
um, hill repeats. If you're starting with some speed work, you don't need to start with 800 meter repeats or half mile repeats. You can start with some shorter and, and build up. And, and along those lines too, um, you know, we've seen a lot of, and Julie's gonna touch on motivation and how to stay motivated uh, and kind of the mental side of, of training. But uh, we know a lot of runners are looking towards challenges to, to, in, in the absence of races. So maybe a Strava challenge, or there's a, you know, maybe a 50 mile challenge or some kind of challenge. And those are great for, for motivation, but you really do want to be very careful about um, the, the challenges that you're doing and, and what you're, the stress you're putting your body under for a couple of reasons. First, for what R Rachel mentioned, just the higher incidence of injury. And, and we're all, um, we don't want to compromise our immune systems either. Right now, this is not the time to compromise your immune system. So just in terms of the challenges, we get that that motivates a lot of people. Just be smart about what you're choosing. We did a one-mile pandemic improvement project challenge. It's not too late to join us if you want to do a timed mile this week and give it to us. You can um, join the challenge. But we thought that was a good challenge because it's one-mile uh, time trial and something reasonable to then work on over a four-week period and then do it again at the end. Um, just, just, uh, just be very careful about um, those challenges and building them into your training. So some people we know are, you know, still running relatively high mileage and then they're doing a lot of Strava challenges and on top of that and then they're walking a lot. And um, just one more point um, to, uh, to what Rachel was mentioning too about shoes and softer surfaces. A lot of us are, and working at home, um, a lot of us are walking around the house barefoot or in flip flops or not in our typical work shoe or supportive shoe. And we're seeing many runners who are all of a sudden having some plantar fasciitis or um, some kind of foot issues. And a lot of times it's not what they're wearing outside on their run or what they're doing on their run or their training, but it is um, it, it has to do with the fact that they're barefoot all day. Um, so the last thing I'll just touch on real quick um, is strength training and that incorporating strength training is super important. And I, we feel like right now is a really good time because uh, a lot of times when we're working in, in, in normal life, not in pandemic life, we don't have the time to fit in strength training, and now we do, and that is super important. And that's something you can do on your on your rest days or the days you're not running as well. Uh, you know, runner specific strength, and Rachel can touch more on some specific exercises um, if she'd like. But um, you know, Julie and I have been doing um, some online Zoom classes. Uh, Kelly Redmond, who's the head coach at Wooten High School. Uh, she's been doing four times a week a class and very runner specific, a half hour, nothing you know that's gonna leave you terribly sore and not able to walk or run the next day, but really targeting runner specific strength. Prime Fitness is doing some online Zoom classes. So finding uh, maybe an online class that keeps you accountable and is, uh, you know, that you know is specific specifically good for runners and runner strength. This is a great time to do that now. We would recommend if you're doing strength, do it after your runs or on the days you're not running. If you try to do a strength training either on your own or in a class and then you try to go out and run, your your, your muscles have been, you know, a little bit fatigued. So we say do it after if you can. So that's just another. Actually, if I could just say one thing to that, we, we usually do say that, do it after. But in pandemic world, some of you may be running at night so if you find that you're catching a strength class to start your day earlier in the day and then you're waiting several hours to run, that's fine too. And in terms of um, the classes, there's so, there's so much out there. So um, as Lisa mentioned, Kelly and uh, Kelly Redmond and Prime, there are certain ones that really are good for runners and they do it right. Be careful. Um, I think it's great to explore different Pilates classes, body pump, things like that on Zoom. But you want to make sure you're doing the exercises appropriately. So make sure you're uh, engaging your core and pulling in your abdominals, which is why it's so much better to do it in person. But in this pandemic world, as Julie said, we can't. So what can we control? We can control how we do it. So in a class and they're trying to and they're saying to you, do 30 reps as fast as you can. That's not necessarily what you want. You want to do every exercise slow and controlled and making sure you're feeling it in the right place. So be be just, you know, be distinct about what you, what you really want. Mm -hmm. I'm going to touch on one more thing before I hand it over to Julie, because I've seen a couple of people ask the question and we had some before about treadmill running versus outdoors. And, and a lot of us are running on treadmills in, inside, whether you don't want to go outside or it's just more, more convenient. Um, that's a great question and transitioning from treadmill to outdoors. So running on the treadmill is going to be easier than running outside. You're keeping up with a moving belt. It's not that it's not a good workout and you know that you shouldn't be doing it if that's your option, that's totally fine. But just anticipate that when you're transitioning from running inside on a treadmill to running outside, it might feel a little bit harder because you're actually having to propel yourself off the ground. So take some, you know, do some run walk intervals at first, slow your pace 
you know, if your heart rate's getting high and it's just feeling really hard, slow your pace, take some walk breaks and transition again, that gradual transition out to, out to, to outdoors from the treadmill. And, and speaking of that, in terms of treadmill, which is usually great for people because it's a softer surface, you can control your pace, things like that. Um, people with hip injuries, especially on the front part of their hip, like the hip flexor, I find sometimes treadmills are a little, um, it's like you're trying to keep up with the tread and it makes your hip flexor work a lot harder. So if you have a history of hip flexor issues or hip pain, you may want to just be careful on the treadmill and do a walk jog. And if you haven't run in a while, as Lisa was saying, transitioning from treadmill to outside, start off with two minutes jogging, two minutes walking, and do it for 15 minutes. And then you, you keep kind of trying to add on to that too. Um, so again, just a little tidbit about, about that. Um, and one more thing about... Oh, Reese, can, you, yeah. can you touch um, just a little bit more? We have had quite a few runners mentioning they've had hip pain, a lot who've just started back. Could you just touch on hip pain a little bit because it seems to be a common thread? Sure, so hip pain can be coming from anywhere. It could be from the hip, it could be arthritis, it could be coming from your back, it could be coming from your pelvis. So sometimes it really, you, not sometimes, you always kind of have to figure out where it's coming from first. But the bottom line always seems to me, at least in my clinic, the hip flexors are usually tight and the glutes are usually weak. And it's a tug of war if you think about it. I'm gonna just change this a little bit. Your hip flexors in the front, your glutes in the back. So your glutes are trying to stride you back, right, when you're running, but your hip flexors are saying, I'm too tight and I can't do it and it shuts your glutes down. So it's so important, especially for those of you who are teleworking and sitting a lot, doing a stretch for your hip flexors of just Standing in a staggered stance, I'm gonna show you, in a staggered stance, and you just tuck your butt forward a little bit, and you should feel a stretch in the front part of your back leg. No stretching should hurt, by the way. And it should not be a very focal stretch, it should be more of a gradual, like general stretch. But this is a great stretch for people who are sitting a lot more, and anyone with hip pain. Anyone with hip pain really needs to do more glute work, um, that's why we mentioned Prime and Kelly Redmond because they do focus a lot on that. You need your glutes to push off. They're a big muscle group that needs to absorb shock too. So strengthening, um, strengthen your glutes, bridging, as long as you're feeling it in your glutes. If you're feeling in your hamstrings and they're cramping, you're not using your glutes. So it's really important to know what should be activated and what you should feel during the exercise. So those with hip pain, Julie, glute strengthening, stretch your hip flexors out. And let me say in terms of um, exercise for people who sit a lot too, um, make sure for, for those who are sitting more often, do some upper body. I know we think about core, we, I talk a lot about glutes, but for those of you who are now sitting a heck of a lot more, you can do things like with a resistive band that you may have at home, rows, or even cans of soup, leaning over and doing rows. Anything to help strengthen your upper back is going to help with your running form. Sorry, I can go on and on, but I won't. <laughs> It's great. Lisa, was there anything else you wanted to add with respect to strength and cross training? Nope, nope. I think, um, I, I, I know Julie's gonna talk about motivation and a lot of us have questions about how to stay motivated, how to stay on track, um, questions about running and, and the anxiety that we have when we run outside now, whether to wear masks or not. Um, so Julie's gonna touch on those. Okay, so um, dovetailing off of what Lisa just mentioned, there is um, something about running that I think is really important, and that is, um, and many of you already know this, your run should generally be at conversational pace. And your conversational pace right now, and I know I keep using this phrase, but it's relevant for me too, in pandemic running world, may be different than what your conversational pace is ordinarily. That doesn't mean that you're not as fit or that you're losing fitness. It simply means that all of the things that Rachel and Lisa already touched on with respect to stress and anxiety may be affecting your breathing. It may be affecting your ability to run as you normally do when you're able to talk and run at the same time. So if that's causing you to have frustration on your runs, when you look at your watch and you see that your natural conversational pace one day is slower than what it is, don't look at your watch. Recognize that you're still getting the benefits of your workout. You are still building mitochondria. You are still building endurance. And you are still investing in your training bank. So what I want to talk about today is how do we stay motivated when we aren't racing? And for so many of us on this call, we sort of structure our entire running schedule around races, whether we're recovering from races 
whether we're training for races, but there are also, I'm sure, are many of you on this call who don't race and you run because you enjoy running and it brings you joy and it brings you mental health and wellness and it brings you sanity and it allows you to run away from home when you really need to get out of the house. So take away the race part of this and think of all of those other whys and use that right now. So for example, if your why is generally, I like to be able to have a schedule, I like to be able to have predictability, I like to know what I'm doing each day, you can still have a schedule, you can still have predictability. And as far as purpose, your purpose can be any of the things I just mentioned and still training for races because races will be back. And when those races come back, you not only want to be ready, but you don't want to be overtrained. None of us will be undertrained because we'll have plenty of time to know when the first race will return and therefore we'll have plenty of time to train. But I think our goal at this point is to be able to be healthy, strong, have a great training bank full of endurance dividends, but not cause that bank to overflow, which normally we want our banks to overflow, but in this case we don't, because that could cause us not only to be overtrained physically, but also mentally, and then when it's time to actually train for those races, when they return, you don't wanna be sick of running. You wanna be excited and, and ready to race. Um, but as far as day-to-day -day motivation, I think the one thing that is really helpful for me is that running is something that roots me in my routine for the rest of the day. So if you can kind of think of running or exercise, or whatever you're doing that day for cross-training as your foundation to sort of dictate the organization of the rest of your day, then I, I guarantee that the rest of your day will be much better and you'll make better choices because of that foundation. So to that end, some of the choices that affect our running, of course, are how we fuel our runs. So while, again, we're not specifically training for a race, we should still think about how we fuel our runs. So by all means, enjoy pandemic food. I think that's one of the joys that I'm getting is pandemic baking and ordering and all of those fun things. But also think about what makes you feel good and what brings you strength in your runs um, when you put those things in your mouth. And as far as alcohol, limit. I mean, have a drink, have, have what you, what feels okay to you, but also recognize that when you do drink, if you don't drink as much as, if you're drinking more than you normally drink, that will affect your running. So kind of assess that and recognize that that is going to play into the success of your run the next day and the day after that. And even in some cases, the day after that. So just keep that in mind. And in terms of nutrition as well, I also want to say that nutrition not only plays into your running, but it also plays into your sleep. So our sleep schedules are off. Um, I know I've, I've gotten so much more sleep during this pandemic, but I don't know how high quality it is, and I'm certainly going to bed later. And that's all different for me personally, and therefore when I eat is different too. So I'm trying, for me personally, when I eat later, it, it causes me to not go to sleep as early as I'd like. So recognize that the timing of your meals can impact a lot of things, including how easily you fall asleep. And then of course, how easily you fall asleep dictates when you wake up, which of course dictates when you have time to be able to run and do all the things. So just understand that all of these things play into each other and we can motivate ourselves and our quarantine people around us who live with us by engaging in predictable, um, generally healthy habits with, of course, occasional treats and fun things. But having those habits day-to-day -day built in will not only set you up for success for your running, but all of the things that surround your running. Um, Julie, do you want to talk a little bit about masks? I know we've had a lot of questions prior to this um, discussion and during the discussion about do we wear a mask? What about social distancing? So um, we, we understand that there is a lot of in, conflicting information out there and the information changes all the time. So maybe someone watching this recorded version in a week would hear this and say it's out of date. So I'm just going to say what we are saying right now. And that is number one, with respect to running, we recommend that you run safely and independently solo unless you're running with someone with whom you're quarantined. And that's for two reasons. Number one, 
at least in our area, it's really hard to run um, six feet apart from a partner, even if you are perfectly side by side running together, nobody can carry a tape measure to measure the six feet between two runners. And even if theoretically you're able to have a partner with whom you meet and run 20 feet apart just for safety, that's amazing. Do that because you are running solo. If you're running 20 feet apart from your running partner, but you're meeting that partner in advance so you both can know each other, will be running at the same time for safety, run single file 20 feet from each other, you're running solo. So it still stands, in our opinion, to run safe and solo. That being said, if you intend to run with someone with whom you're quarantined, great, but recognize in doing so, if you're running on a trail and you're running together side by side, it's hard for other runners, and we're all doing this, we are those runners, so I guess I'm saying this for you to tell other people this too. It's hard for runners to be able to run socially distant from two people who are quarantined together, unless that path is so big. So spread the word that if you want to run together that's awesome if you're quarantined together but please be mindful of the people who are trying to socially distance from you and with respect to masks there is so much conflicting data out there so here is our stance lisa rachel and i all feel that if you are running in an area where you are going to see people and you cannot 100% avoid being socially distanced from those people. So if you're on a trail where you may pass people inevitably, occasionally, who are not six feet from you, then wear a buff and when you come in contact or near people, put the buff over you. And then when you're away from people, take the buff down. Um, I think it's unrealistic to ask runners to wear a typical mask behind the ears the whole time. Number one, it gets really wet and gross right away. And number two, it doesn't stay on meaningfully to protect you or the runners around you. The second reason to use a buff is because even if you personally don't believe that it provides you any protection, it provides comfort for those who are around you who may feel anxious or fearful to be outside. And we wanna be messengers of healthy running and positivity. So having that buff handy to put above your nose when you pass someone, I think says a lot about who you are and, and setting the message out that we care about the people around us. Do you have anything to add? Well, Julie, um, uh, um, Alan asked, what is a buff? And a buff oh, is- I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. Um, a lot of like Montgomery County Roadrunners, they've given them out. You oh. It goes around your neck and you can just, um, some people have it. Oh, Colleen is showing us Colleen, now. Yep, Colleen's yeah. got one. <laughs> <laughs> so something that comes on, on your neck that you can come up over your nose and mouth and down again. They're very easy to use. I've seen people run with masks, to be honest with you. I have asthma, I, I, I can't do it. It just so mm -hmm. use places where I'm not going to see people. So I very mm -hmm. highly recommend, be careful. I know they're opened up Sligo Creek, and I, you know, Parkway. I know they've opened up Rock Creek and Beach Drive. Just be careful, especially if you have asthma and other issues, because it's getting crowded and it's very hard to socially distance in areas. So again, control what you can, maybe choose a different area, a different time of day where you don't think it's gonna be so crowded. Yep, I've been running neighborhood roads, which are, you know, you can run in the neighborhood roads, so the low traffic. So if you're somebody who doesn't wanna have to, you know, risk running and, and just also on the kind of the side of of how we're feeling when we run i know um we've heard from a lot of runners who are feeling anxious when they run and our running should be our stress release and our our opportunity to kind of tune out and a lot of people who are feeling anxious so if that's you and and wearing the mask and pulling it up and pulling it down and wondering worrying about you know whether or not to wear it is is, is you and and that's causing you anxiety uh, and, and for your runs not to be as enjoyable, then then choose a route, like Rachel said, or go early in the morning, choose neighborhood streets where you can be in the streets and if someone is coming, you can take a turn or you can go on the other side of the street, which is far enough away. Um, so, so really, it, I know I personally was feeling, starting to feel stressed with the, um, you know, with, oh no, am I gonna run into somebody? Do I need to wear a mat? You know, all of that, that feeling or, um, or here come two people next to each other and how am I gonna get around them? And so I've just, change the time I run and, and the routes that I run. Um, some people had put up some recommendations to ski mask for running work really well, a bandana. So whatever feels 
you know, comfortable to you. But like Julie said, our, our take is kind of, if you're going to be in a, on a trail or on a route that is going to be crowded or, or just somewhat congested and you're not going to be able, you don't, you're not going to be able to distance yourself, then have something. And it's more a show of respect for other people that I, you know, I get it. Like I, I'm, I'm respecting you. I, I know that you may be nervous about being out here to switch to the other side of the road if you can safely. Um, but yeah. Oh, and we, we actually today placed an order for run farther and faster buffs. We never thought we'd have to do that, but we figured there was a need, so. Well, especially over the summertime. Yeah. So we'll get those in shortly if anyone would like a run farther and faster buff. So what I'm, I'm just looking through some of the questions. There's a couple of commonalities. Uh, someone asked about um, if you're coming off of injury strengthen to come back. Um, I equate that, no offense, I've been pregnant twice. I equate that to pregnancy too, because it changes your body. You haven't run as much as you're used to. So how to come back from that in terms of strength, which I, I cannot stress enough how important it is to take this time to strengthen your body. Your body's going through a lot of stress. It, it's probably something that you haven't maybe done or focused on. Now's the time to do it. If you can take three days a week, even if it's 15 or 20 minutes, and do specific running specific exercises. Um, running is a single leg exercise, right? But you also need a stable core. So any type of core, runner's world, you can always Google runner's world and they have um, exercises. Julie and Lisa give out exercises well, I do as well. Um, but if you could take three days a week, 20 minutes and do glute work, core work and single leg exercise. And I'm gonna show you a couple because running is a single leg activity. If you have weakness in one leg, then doing squats isn't gonna do squat for you, to be honest with you, because you're gonna substitute. So what you wanna do is practice just standing on one leg and see if it's harder to stand on one leg versus the other. You should be able to stand on one leg without any issues whatsoever. You should be able to stand on your other leg too. And then you can make this into an exercise. You can do single leg mini squats, you could do single leg deadlifts. You could do step ups. Incorporate some single leg exercise into your routine, which will help with the stability of when you land and when you run. To me, that's a huge way of preventing any type of injury. Rachel, can you talk a little bit about, especially people with the specific questions that are coming up, can you talk a little bit about what you're doing as, as a physical therapist and how you're seeing patients and the telehealth visits that you're doing? Yeah, so as I said initially, I'm seeing patients in the clinic. Physical therapy is considered essential, so we are able to see patients in the clinic. We're trying to, again, be socially conscious and aware of a lot of people and things like that, so we're spreading it out and doing all the cleaning. and wearing. If, if you see lines on my face, it's because I was wearing the N95 mask. I couldn't get the lines off, so I apologize. Um, so we're seeing more surgical patients in the clinic and those who are, are acute. Like I have a runner now who... Uh, had a little tear to her calf and she can't run and it hurts to walk. I have her come in. Um, but we're doing telehealth, which has been great, where I can see someone just like this on Zoom. It's a different platform we use that's HIPAA compliant. And I could see what exercises are you doing or aren't you doing? What hurts you? Show me. I could see what flexibility you have. I can look at your shoes. Show me your shoes and I'll tell you if I think they're appropriate. I can look at how you walk. Um, there's a lot of things that we can do uh, virtually where I can then help instruct on exercise that I think are good for you. Work on your stability, work on your flexibility, work on your training. Um, sometimes I, I very much can um, advise on training, but if it's something where you want a whole training program, Lisa and Julie are the ones to do it. But to keep you running, my goal, I always, it's modify, modify, modify. It's about how you can keep running, just modify what you're doing so you're not hurting yourself. So the telehealth visits have been great. They're covered by insurance, most insurances, and you just call our office for that. Great. All right. Well, I think we've gotten through <laughs> most of the most of the general questions. Um, we are willing to do this again if there's interest and maybe delve into some more specific specific issues. Um, but w the three of us did this because we really just wanted to see everybody. Uh, continuing to enjoy their running and get that joy out of running and stay running healthy. We want when races do come back, if that's a goal of yours, we want everybody to be in that position where they're healthy and they've done everything, done everything that you can with this time that we've been given. Uh, one thing, uh, you know, Julie touched on motivation and how to stay motivated. And one thing that I've been finding is that in the in the lack of 
uh, having races or external motivators, we really had to dig deep and uh, find our internal motivation. And that's a great time to do that. It's uncomfortable for a lot of people. We're used to running maybe with groups that we can't run with or with races that we're targeting. And all of a sudden we don't have that. All we have are ourselves and looking into ourselves for that motivation. So this is a great time to build that mental strength and that, that you know, introspection and, um, and taking the time to tune into what's your pace. What, what feels good to you? You know, when you run with a group or with other people or you're targeting a, you've got a really specific target, a lot of times we push or we pull back. Um, some of our runners who run with groups are saying, well, now, wow, I, I run a lot slower when I run by myself. or I run a lot faster when I run, you know, in, in naturally. And it's, that's my natural, you know, my aerobic effort. It's a little bit faster. So take this time that you're running by yourself and you don't have those external motivators or pressures to like really take that time introspectively to look at, you're running, what feels right to you, what is motivating you, and um, and, and just uh, enjoy it to the, to the best that we can. And Julie and I are happy to talk to anybody about the structure of that. Uh, you know, so a lot of people right now are looking for some sort of structure and how do I structure that so that I'm in a good position when we get back to racing or I'm a beginner runner and I wanna build appropriately. How how do I do that? And, and or appreciate the accountability and the structure of having a schedule in front of you. So that's what we do through our virtual coaching and happy to talk to any of you about that. We will send out a message um, to everybody after this with a follow-up with a recording and with our contact information. And if anyone has any specific questions, feel, feel free to reach out to us. Rachel or Julie, did you have anything else to add? I was just gonna say, feel free to reach out to us if you have any other topics specifically that you wanna talk about. Um, we'd be happy to do this again and we'd love to know how you know, we can help because if you have a question, I can guarantee somebody else has that question too. And I want to say thank you so much to all of you for joining yes. us. The fact that you actually took the time to attend a webinar during your busy day about running indicates that all of you on this already have motivation. And frankly, our coaching, we have really been inspired by the runners we coach, so many of whom have said to us over the past several weeks that having a schedule motivates them and in turn providing schedules and accountability not only helps us with our own running by doing it for others, but it also inspires us to keep on going because this is an unprecedented time and having some controllables in the uncontrollables is what this is all about. And I think we all probably feel the same about running right now, that it's such a gift. And the least that the three of us could do is provide you some information so that we can hold on to that gift during this um, crisis. So thank you to all of you yeah. for joining us. Thanks everybody. Thank you, be safe, Bye. be well.